0: It's week 23 of 2018. We've got an update on the VPN filter malware affecting routers around the world. We also have some updates from the WWDC conference at Apple to see if our predictions came true. That and a lot more news is coming up on the TechNado starting right now. Hello and welcome to the Tech NATO. I am your host Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined by somebody other than Don. That's right. Don is down in in Disney, enjoying yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the
1: heat and, and lines. And he's and taking a break. We told him we got he got a break when he got the job, but since he's the co-founder, he keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, it's weird. So we've got
1: <laughs> we've got Wes Bryan joining us today. Wes, how hey, you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, uh, Peter, for having me here. It's great as always. Yeah, I'm and, looking forward to it. And those of you. Uh, who
0: are regulars here on the podcast. Uh, no, Wes, of course, uh, joined us a couple weeks ago. We talked about um, Intel chips, and we've actually got some Intel chip uh, yeah. news to get to here and some ARM stuff, so, so that'll be good to get your perspective on that. Don doesn't know what he's talking about with that <laughs> stuff, so uh, always good to have you. And uh, and as promised, we've got some updates uh, on some stories uh, from previous weeks, and, and right. so let's jump right in uh, with the first one here. Um, we, we talked a little bit about the uh, malicious, uh, the malware th- uh, things that were hitting uh, different routers, and and basically the FBI asking you to go ahead and reboot, and that should solve the problem, everything's going to be fine. Turns out it's not quite fine. So uh, our first article here is from uh, from Tom's Guide, and it says Russian router malware just got much worse uh, what to do. So it turns out that they're now, I guess, able to actually do some man-in-the-middle stuff mm-hmm. with these, and, uh, and and it's worse than we thought originally. So, uh, Wes, any, any insight here as to why this is, has gotten worse, basically?
1: Yeah, basically what they've kind of found out is that, you know, the FBI intervened in the first rendition of this uh, this uh, virus, the VPN filter botnet, uh, and it had some infrastructure servers that uh, it needed to communicate with, and while the FBI intervened and they, uh, you know, tried to neutralize that botnet, uh, well, it uh, it is believed that uh, the Russian military, or the ATV, advanced uh, persistent threat, if you will, they have the money, uh, are assembling a new bot. Uh, so uh, I don't know if this is a robot, but <laughs> it is uh, the successor to this. Um, and it's it's really nasty, too. Uh, it seems, to that it, it was in older firmware platforms, so that if you were up to date on the newest platforms, then, you know, really one of the things that you would see is that, uh, you know, if you just kept your uh, firmware up to date, you wouldn't have to worry about it. Uh, another problem about uh, this VPN uh, filter botnet is the fact that uh, it's it's uh, persistent, if you will, uh, boot persistent. Uh, and if you think about your routers, uh, I, you got a home router, I'm sure at your house, because I, I know do- you're connected to the internet. Um, how how often do you reboot it? Or do you let Mother Nature reboot yeah, it for you? Yeah, that's I was what. Say, yeah,
0: every every time it rains.
1: That, no, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty
0: much just uh, just when I when I have to if if uh, I have a con- connectivity issue.
1: Sure, and I'm picking on Peter because you know we're Florida here. We're the yeah. lightning capital of the world <laughs> for sure. Well, with that, if you think about it, it's also IoT devices too. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the not just the routers. I mean, some of the routers that uh, we do see uh, a lot of the popular brands and stuff. Things like Linksys, uh, Microtix, Netgear, TP-Link, QNAP. We Happen to know a company that actually used a QNAP for one, once in a while? Yeah. Uh, and again, um, the there's a lot a lot of routers out there. In fact, I. I Come to find out my router was susceptible to this. Really? It was actually in the model list. So, uh, yeah, it is one of those things that uh, it, it does have a pretty big infrastructure. It has a command and control aspect of it. And, again, that's one of the things that the uh, uh, FBI kind of intervened on. And, well, now we're getting uh, the next rendition of it.
0: Yeah, and we've got uh, a list here in that article from Tom's Guide, um, and it goes down you know, specific models uh, from ASUS, D-Link, uh, Huawei, Linksys, Microtik, um, the list goes on: uh, Netgear, QNAP, TP-Link, Ubiquiti, uh, sure. ZTE. So, um, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot, uh, a lot of different people. Uh, I want you here. to focus
1: on the very first model in the list. The uh, Asus RT ac 66 I was gonna say, well, does it? Uh, R- this is a list that I don't want to be number one on, but unfortunately, <laughs> I am. Oh, <laughs> so that that was my model right there. So this a little scary here, but I'd like you to focus on something kind of interesting. Is uh, just under where it says more router security stinks, and there's the second paragraph That's a in terrible there. Terrible menu on there. Yeah, part. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you look oh, at I the second that. paragraph yeah. there, it it does tell you. It says the malware seems to infect only devices uh, that are known to have had security uh, flaws, right? And look at the sentence right after the comma, all right? Um, All of which have fixes available. Uh, So this is one of those things. Like we always say here, we stress in like our security episodes. uh, Check them out if you haven't seen them. That stay up to date, patch your systems, right? Uh, Check to see if you have uh, firmware. Uh, I know you have firmware. We know that. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad. But the new. I was going to say, you're glad you brought me in here. Uh, Your device has firmware, but uh, check to see what version of the uh, firmware is. Uh, Check out on the vendors' websites to make sure that the uh, the firmware versions match, and if they don't. Do your updates, you know, and uh, hopefully that will uh, patch it. But, uh, again, at the end of that paragraph, it says, unfortunately, there's no way of knowing. So um, don't quite take your tinfoil hat off yet. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and we had another article here about it from Bleeping Computer that that uh, kind of lists those same uh, same issues and same uh, manufacturers. But it, I, I like this one because it had this kind of cool um, visual that shows how— how this attack really works, and how the the man in the middle kind of thing works. and and uh, for for someone like me, Helps you understand, well, sure, sure, uh, what's absolutely. This is
1: kind of like the executive summary, anyways, and it's a good way. It doesn't matter if you have technical bra- background or don't. Uh, it is great to see the flow chart. and in fact, a lot of your uh, the people that are going to research this uh, have to put these together so they know what's going on too. But you see, there's there's many stages here, you know. And the server part aspect of this is what they uh, you know they kind of got got a hold of and stuff. And then again, command and control. It's always uh, you know these botnets. They're they're made right to. Um, uh, basically to infect as many computers as they can so that they can get that remote control exploitation. Now, uh, we've seen uh, things like IoT botnets in the past. In fact, I think we had one last year, or uh, somewhere uh, in the middle of last year or so, and again, time slips by me so quick, uh, where the entire northeastern uh, of the United States, the DNS servers, went down because they were there was some kind of supply chain attack. So again, you have to think about these devices. If it's affecting IoT, a lot of these devices, you can have entire... Higher sensor nets that are dedicated to IOT so it becomes even more problematic because a lot of times these systems are left it could be embedded systems, and they're forgotten about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they a lot of times they're not rebooted. So a lot of moving pieces here. So uh, this certainly wasn't just some script kitty, uh, you know, just uh, pulling down a piece of code that somebody else wrote and uh, putting it into play that you could see that a lot of moving parts here.
0: Yeah, I know it, it was kind of originally attributed to uh, Russia as a, an attack on, on uh, some routers in the Ukraine, but, uh, you know, it's definitely something that's affecting a lot more people than that. So... Uh, interesting to keep an eye on. Another thing we wanted to keep an eye on, uh, last week uh, was the – or this week, I guess. The beginning of this week was the uh, Apple Worldwide Developer Conference. And last week, Don and I took a little bit of time to make some predictions on what we expected to see. Um, we had talk about, you know, are they going to just merge iOS and um, and OS and, and uh, you know – that's kind of wishful thinking in a lot of people's part. <laughs> yeah, I think. Sure. Uh, my big prediction was that they were going to have a, a laptop that you you stuck a, a phone down in, and that became the processor for it. Uh, because I know that is just Don's, uh, you know, biggest fantasy. Every day he he, <laughs> uh, he <laughs> dreams about. Uh, a day where his computer can be his phone and it's all in one, but unfortunately that didn't happen as well. But the, uh, as a lot of people predicted, it was it was more about software than hardware. Yes, definitely. And, uh, and the first thing that we have is uh, from from out here. We have kind of an article that goes through uh, a couple of things that were released. With the first being iOS 12, so um, some some big updates coming uh, to the phones. Anything stand out to you? as...
1: Um, Yeah, Uh, some of the things in the article are actually really great. They say, again, they say um, apps will launch about 40% faster than they did. Uh, Again, you can slide to take a photo uh, up to about 70% faster than what uh, iOS 11 offers. And um, they're also using more of the augmented reality in it. Uh, And this is where they're getting this... Something that they feel, and it even says in the article that uh, they've claimed to invent this, uh, uh, is the personalized uh, Memojis. Memojis. I don't even know if you say that. Mm-hmm. There are so many different types now where uh, it's basically like an animated uh, you, you know, emoji. Yeah, uh, and they I'm had those sure Animojis
0: right. come out with, yeah. uh, when they launched the iPhone X. But uh, now this is actually letting you – it's almost like the, uh, the Wii characters you created yes. on Nintendo where That's you can right. kind of create that – Um, that image that looks like you, uh, like a Bitmoji uh, that a lot of people are using, but actually animate that then with everything, which is pretty cool. But my big question coming out of uh, seeing the iOS 12 announcement is, what the heck are we gonna do with thirty some odd people on a FaceTime call? Yeah,
1: it's a little crazy, right? Uh, it's getting hard s- with two. Get to, exactly, exactly. Uh, I have had five or six people on a FaceTime. when my cousins and the the you know, my kids and but the cousins all are the all talking room. together. Yeah. And uh, if you remember uh, uh, going back to the days of the speaker phones, when you know being yeah. on a all- conference call, and before you know it, you can't get anything done. So I don't know how beneficial that is. They also have um, things like groups notifications that they claim that they've invented. Uh, it also says it in the article, but if you'll uh, read it a little bit uh, closer, it says even though they claim to invent it, uh, Android's been doing this for over eight years now. Uh, so um, again, uh, things like the do not disturb, uh, you'll, you'll have more control over things like uh, notifications, they say, and Do Not the do not disturb area of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how applicable that is. I guess it's all about putting you back into control and telling you while at the same time how you should control it. And as
0: I know you're a parent as well, um, there were a lot of things in there about uh, parental controls in terms yes. of setting times, um, not just for screen time in general, but certain apps to say you've got one hour on Instagram today or, uh, you know, two hours watching YouTube or things like that. So you're actually able to set that base on apps. And it's pretty cool. It gives you a little warning. You've got five minutes left, um, you know, basically, yeah. Finish all your comments, kids. It's uh, it's almost time for bed, so uh, I, I'm I'm kind of excited about something like that. My daughter's a little young to have uh, her own phone yet, but but you know when she does, uh, that'll be something cool to
1: see. Oh, most definitely. In fact, I, a little story about that. Just had to deal with it this week. Uh, uh, my son's going into middle school. Uh, God help us all. Scary me a little <laughs> bit on this one, but uh, we, we decided that we would get him a phone yeah, just so when he's age. out. And uh, yeah, he decided to take all his friends that he knew that which really don't know each other, and group them together. <laughs> so we essentially had to say, you just shared phone numbers of people that they don't know, all in the same group. So uh, I, I would, and that's Android. Yeah. So I'm not going to have the benefit of the, <laughs> those yeah, that's features. True. Yeah. <laughs> Pulling me back over to the Apple world, Peter. Definitely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing what I can to help. There we go. Well, well. next up,
0: uh, there the big other announcement uh, from this event was the announcement of Mac OS 10.14, better known as Mojave. And, <laughs> you know, what have we all been waiting for in our operating system? But dark mode. Oh my gosh. I you mean, gotta have it, right? That's amazing. And the funny thing is, that's really what they led with in the in the announcement. If you watched it, they just uh, ran right with. And look at this. You can you can make basically make the screen, um, you know, black background with with light text as opposed to what you're normally seeing. You know, white. With uh, the with space black, so. gray.
1: It's space gray. I don't know why that makes it better. Maybe because it's from space it's from or something. Space. But uh, you know how Apple's beloved space gray has always been their theme. So I'm sure there's really...
0: other stuff, though, that jumped out to you uh, from. Uh, from Mojave. So so what uh, what interests you?
1: Uh, desktop stacks, they talk about. That's one of the ones that uh, we do see, you know. Um, again, um, the feature that basically just collects uh, specific files, puts them into a single pile. And then if you just click on that pile, it actually separates them out. So mm-hmm. we've kind of seen something like that. Like, I, I know you have Mac, I have Mac. So if you think about your documents download and yeah. when you hover over, it kind of separates everything out. And you can kind of see what's in the list. You let it go. It kind of uh, minimizes back on itself. So you know that I don't know how much productivity that'll handle, but uh, for those people, and I'm sure you—I don't know if you are one of those people. If you are, I apologize ahead of time. You've probably seen those people that have 183 icons on their desktop. Yeah, I, I don't know how some of you. If that's fine, don't mean to offend you. If you can keep track of that, I'm having a trouble finding the trash bin uh, or the recycle bin on, on a single single icon. So it might enhance the productivity, uh, you know, grouping those together, make you a little bit faster. But that that's kind of really cool.
0: Yeah, let's jump over to the Macworld article, actually, because that's got some more um, imagery so we can actually see some of the things we're talking about. For Absolutely. those who are watching the video version, if you're listening on audio, you'll have to um, trust our, our amazing descriptions, but, um, yeah, Mojave. So of course we've got the Mojave desert as the background. And what, one of the cool things is you can actually set it that throughout the day, the photo background will kind of change with the time of day. So when it gets to nighttime, it's a, it's a nighttime shot and it does all that automatically. So that, that's kind of cool. Again, one of those features that doesn't help you with productivity at all, but just a, just a fun feature. Um, here's dark mode that we talked about. You Mm -hmm. can kind of see the difference between light and dark. Um, I, I've, I wonder, is this
1: uh, something that would save power at all? Uh, maybe, maybe. Like the brightness but, uh, of your desktop? I, mean, I don't really know. But if, for those of you that like the the different type of contrast, maybe it'll help yeah. you see a little bit better. I'm not sure. Well, if,
0: if you're used to photo editing tools like Adobe things mm-hmm. and Photoshop. That's one of the first things I was that's thinking. That's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So you definitely might be more comfortable with that. There's desktop stacks that you talked about. So really help you clean up the desktop if you have a lot of things um, there that you're dealing with. Uh, Sure. I yeah. like this, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, this that's not happening. No,
1: uh, But what you, what that's kind of addressing is the merger of iOS and macOS together. And that's what they're saying no to. No, that's not happening. Yeah. But uh, apparently they also mentioned that there is going to be a compromise. Uh, you know, some of the popular iOS apps will be uh, like Apple News, uh, voice memos, uh, home stocks. They'll make their way uh, essentially over to the Mac environment. And I don't think that's anything that's uncommon. You know, I don't think that's anything that's specific to app, uh, uh, apps Apple. Mm-hmm. I know you've seen this as well, you know, uh, Peter, uh, doing uh, media and stuff like that, creative media and stuff where, you know, Microsoft has gone that way, they want the all interfaces in one, so it doesn't matter where you're at. And, um, it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're on Xbox Live, if you're on your Microsoft account, if you're in the Azure cloud interface, and now if you're in Windows interface, you're like, you're really seeing those similarities. So, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Apple's going to go that way, but they've definitely started to port some of those over to, you know, iOS, uh, from iOS to, uh, you know, your Mac OS. And if you're like me, uh, at one time, I had a lot of Apple devices. I had like four iPads. I had the Mac, you know, the, the mm-hmm. Mac as well. And that, it'd be nice if, if you are always on your, your iPad Pro now to have some of the things that are centric to just the iPad, you know, or your iPhone as well uh, to kind of be able to cross-platform those. Yeah, and one of the other cool things
0: I I remember seeing in the demo, I don't see it here, but was a um, a screen recording uh, function that they had that, you know, you can do that now with, with plugins and different apps, but to have that built in is, is pretty cool as well. I, a lot of times we're doing tutorials or things where we want to show off what we're sharing on the screen. So that's a cool way to do it.
1: They, they do mention a little bit about the screenshot type mm-hmm. thing where you can actually annotate screenshots. Yeah, that's one of the yeah. newer features, you know, um, and I'm not sure exactly uh, how beneficial that will be, but it could be, you know, it just gives you the uh, oh, option yeah, to yeah, mark up. Up
0: screenshots. up. Yep. Yeah. And they yeah. showed how you can actually, uh, kind of fire up your uh, your camera on your phone to take a shot and, and dump that right into to a document you're working on. So seeing kind of some of that uh, coming together is a pretty cool. Uh, cool thing there as well.
1: And there's, you know, the obvious things or the, the common things that just go in any kind of OS update, uh, not vendor specific by any means, but security function security updates, uh, uh, you know, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this many times, uh, you know, on the podcast that uh, Apple's definitely been focused on privacy lately, mm-hmm. considering what they've been dealing with. So yeah. that's one of the things that they're uh, trying to do is uh, uh, we have such a holistic nature of all these big companies, Facebook, Google, you know, Microsoft at, that they're trying to um, keep some of the social media or, or not social media but uh, social networks I guess social media networks um, from tracking yeah. what you're doing because everything's so intertwined you know
0: yeah they, it, a lot of people were mentioning that that some of what they were saying seemed like shots at at Facebook yeah kind of yeah uh, you know they're they're the ones in the news for the bad stuff right now that's so, right um, how know, can they, we disassociate we as disassociate. quick as possible yeah. you know and they uh, they basically made a talk about how um, they'll be able to track you, but not as an individual person, but as just this kind of Mac. And so um, a little bit more anonymity in terms of what other people are able to see about about who you are, which is cool. Here's that continuity camera. Um, found that spot that we I yep. talked about. So it'll actually bring up um, the camera on your phone, let you scan a document or take a picture, throw that right in uh, in the software you're using, so um,
1: you can. That's that's yeah, a great that's feature. Cool. Yeah. And the one that you were talking about, the moving backgrounds, mm-hmm. that's the next one in the list. Okay. That's the dynamic desktop there. there and again, yeah. uh, they say it's more of a cosmetic thing, but still cool sure. nonetheless. But
0: the, I mean, the last one that. That's something that that uh, encourages people to hey, I have a Mac but I, I use an Android phone Well maybe now there's a reason to um, to get an iPhone so you know definitely they want to cross promote their redesigned yeah, app store. Definitely. yeah that, that's pretty much it. Um, but there were some things that weren't mentioned uh, in the keynote that uh, uh, actually let me, um, let me skip an article and we'll go to the RS technical one first and, and talk about some of the things that didn't get mentioned um, but but were uh, still features. Uh, that, that are new and maybe just not as exciting to the general public, um, OpenGL and OpenCL. So that's something that's uh, in new in, in Mojave uh, iOS 12. Um, ending older Mac support. Um, so uh, you've got some machines that... Uh, will be supported and others that uh will not make the cut so obviously stuff, and they don't really want to talk about in the keynote of hey by the way your device won't work on this that's right and by the system.
1: way we're closing yeah. everything off and and we're gonna we're gonna i'm sure we're gonna talk a little bit later on the opposite approach uh by another big company but it seems like yeah they're uh c- yeah, c- just because you know like the article says software developers they like open source they like that open source collaboration and within a community and that could be a big deal. But, you know, yeah. Apple's always really been strict on their applications and how they control their applications and their software. And you could be on either side of that debate, open source versus proprietary. But, you know, and I, I kind of see it both ways. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, a bit of a Windows guy for a long time and you know, we know Windows is proprietary, but. I don't really have a problem with Apple having, uh, you know, locking everything down because it kind of ensures consistency. Well, some people will say, have you owned a Mac lately or <laughs> over the course of years? But. You know they're really focused on controlling everything. You know where Microsoft tries to make an operating that system that supports a thousand different devices. Obviously, you're going to run into some inconsistencies with trying to do that. Where Apple's the opposite side. We got a handful of stuff that we develop and we only support that. So um, again, both sides of the tracks, but it does seem like they're trying to close it, close source more than open source.
0: And and speaking of of shutting things down, disabling USB access is one of the other things um, that uh, that was uh, not really talked about in the keynote, but it is something that's happening. Where uh, I think it's after an hour, um, uh, it, it you have to uh, use your your passcode uh, to allow um, a connected device to continue to connect um, through USB. So that's uh, something that I think it was it was like a day or a week or something before, and, and it's going to make it harder for um, for people that. Uh, you know f- forensics uh, to, right. to find things on your phone or or potentially people that have stolen your device uh, it, to access it, it.
1: it really is because in the past like it's take their firewire platform and I know we get technical here IEEE 1394 but take firewire because largely it was Apple that was promoting it right um, firewire had a pretty bad exploit that did require local physical access to the computer but basically firewire in the architecture uh, um, has direct memory access so when you plug that device in you have you can bypass the Operating system, and you have DMA uh, direct memory access, which means that if you can put a piece of code on a Firewire device and plug it into the Mac, essentially you could dr- slipstream it. You know, somebody in the know could slipstream it into memory, and then they could execute that exploit right there. So I, I think this is kind of cool in the fact that what they're saying is hey, it's just like your computer. After a bit, if you walk away, it locks up on you, and you got to put the password back. Well, the same thing with the ports because it does it doesn't prevent but it's definitely a layered defense first layer defense of your house what do you do you you lock the front door Mm -hmm. right so we just can't open the door so it's a i think it's a great thing you know it's kind of
0: like the hotel door that locks behind you automatically that's (laughs) That's right absolutely uh, they're taking that guessing game out of it for you making you use your key again yeah yeah and a few other things multiple faces uh, and face ids so now you can um you know put your put your wife or your your kid to have their face um, be able to log in as well, which I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Letting them buy everything now, but uh, yeah, so a lot of new things, uh, you know, coming out of not just the keynote, but uh, as people are getting into the beta now and and looking under the hood a little bit. But um, uh, I want to go back to a, a, a kind of a kind of funny story here, and, and both both Wes and I uh, remember this now that oh, we brought yeah. up. I wouldn't have thought of it if I hadn't. I've seen this article, though, because I did not remember the name, but uh, Apple's Mac OS Mojave shares the name with a fictitious Microsoft Windows release. This is on uh, AppleInsider.com. And you may remember back when Vista um, first came out uh, for Microsoft, it was getting a lot of bad reviews, and and there was just a lot of negativity around it. And and as such, you had people that had never used the platform, never seen it, and just said, oh, yeah, that's terrible, because (laughs) that's what they've heard. And so Microsoft had a campaign. Uh, If you scroll down here, this is kind of a screenshot from it, where they basically brought people into a focus group and said, okay, well, here's Vista, and next to it, here's Mojave, and try them both and tell us which one you like better. And everyone across the board said, oh, I love Mojave better. And all it was was Vista with a different skin on it. Placebo. Yeah, and uh, and then they told people at the end, you know, well, that's actually just Vista that you used that you hadn't used before and, and isn't as terrible as you thought. So... I think it's kind of a funny choice that, that yeah apple, i wonder if they were aware of that
1: <laughs> that was one of the first client certifications i ever got with microsoft uh it <laughs> was a windows vista certification and that's one of the big things i mean going back you figure how much of a resource hog it is but you'd wonder why exactly apple would use a a code name if you will <laughs> that reminds us of a, such a you know an operating system we'd really like to forget well mojave know? was was you know, universally loved. It was, by these of people course. Focus
0: group. So maybe that's what they're taking advantage of. But I know they were going down the list of basically. Different uh, uh, landmarks in yep. in California, right? That, All that's California. right, absolutely. So, yep, yep, um, yeah. The uh, well, Desert. at first uh, it was the
1: large cats, right? Yep. We did large cats, and then I could never figure out why they went to things like Sierra Yosemite. I'm like, yeah. well, maybe they like mountains or something. Yeah. Maybe somebody's a mountain. So they're climber. in Mountain View. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And then to find out, like you said, that it's actually le- uh, le- you know land- famous landmarks in uh, California. But if you'll scroll down, I, I love the Twitter ha- uh, the twit uh, or tweet, if you will. That's right in the oh, middle of the screen here. Uh, this one. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and it says what if people it says what if people uh or, or what if we showed people Vista but we told them it was a new operating system called Mojave. In 2018 they say <laughs> what if we showed a Mac OS uh High Sierra but we told them it was a new operating system called Mo- uh, Mo- Mojave. Well if this one actually works um, then, right. then then I'm all on board but uh, I call Vista the muttered mis- it, it it's the ME for this generation right? And it's okay. the mistake edition. Oh, oh ME Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. saying
0: EMMY ME, but yeah Windows ME Millennium Millennial yeah. edition? Millennial Millenn- edition. Not millennial. <laughs> we millennial know what he's edition. got on the brain right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, millennials. <laughs> ah, that's right. All right, well, let's let's jump ahead because uh, apparently, uh, come to find out that Apple wasn't the only one making announcements. Uh, and, you know, we talked about how most of the announcements from the keynote were Uh, or software-based as far as to as opposed to hardware Uh, there were some things going on in the world of hardware and and asus was at the front of that Um, so this article on tom's hardware Asus's new zenbook pro have a screen in the touchpad so Hey, we're getting closer um, to to Don's dream of being able to drop the phone in. Uh, we've talked about it. You know, if you do that, it is the phone then just your? That's your right. Mouse he actually and, had one of
1: those at one time. Yeah, he, remember well, the he's pad got, phone? He's got a few of them. It, yeah, it was, was, and they the, were always horrible. So <laughs> he, he's going to try every single one <laughs> of them to see if, it, if it's any good. But, but uh, th- this is really interesting because if you think about it, yeah, a- uh, Asus has definitely kind of u- done their own unique spin on it. But uh, is this Asus's answer? To max touch bar. Yeah, I
0: I think so. But that makes a lot more sense because your hand is already in that position (laughs) as opposed to having to reach up. But then are you going to make mistakes like I always – Accidentally hit this Siri button yes. um, up here when I'm going for the delete key. Uh, oh the yeah. touch bar. So what am I going to be hitting <laughs> on this Asus? Uh, touch or pack? you're
1: in the middle of a lab demonstration in one of our videos and you hit the power button. Oh sure, yeah, yeah that's not? just because I got fat fingers. But <laughs> yeah, so this thing's got some pretty big specs, uh, pretty nice specs on it. I mean, it's not a cheap one by any means. We're talking twenty two hundred dollars, you know, yeah. twenty three hundred dollars. And they do make, and you can read down in the bottom of the article, they do make one that doesn't have the uh, that touchpad. Uh, um, display pad if you will uh and it's a little cheaper $1,700 <laughs> so they take off about $500 for that but uh nice specs uh you know that uh it can the quick launcher number pad media player app uh, app specific toolbars which they'll also mention though that like just with any new product um There's always going to be quirks. They don't get it just right on the first release. So they say that there are some uh, app-specific toolbars for this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'd like to look, if if it's okay, I'd like to look at, uh, so it's um, 5.5-inch, uh, they say FHD, so they're going to feed you some alphabets, so just full high definition, nothing big on that. Uh, but it's supporting more for Microsoft's uh, gestures. Gestures, if you remember, speaking of Vista, and not long here, um, do you remember when the tablet PCs, now I'm not talking about what we have today. The These surface, were just swivel no. screens that would oh, come yeah. back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, the, those gestures actually started there back in, uh, going back to tablet mode or tablet uh, XP that they mm-hmm. had. But uh, they started to kind of revolutionize. Those with um, Vista, but they were still quirky in Vista. So it'll be interesting to see how they've matured. Um, but they got uh, precision drivers in Windows 10, and it's supporting those Windows 10 gestures, uh, gestures, if you will. What else do we have uh, that we've seen as well? Um, yeah. So, so they were talking about some of the widgets. If you have some of the widgets on your screen and okay. you're using that that feature, that it's a little quirky. Mm. It, it'll go from working to not working. So you might want to r- just use it as a trackpad. Yes, because back.
0: it wasn't what you know, this this was uh, or how Windows was designed to be used necessarily so sure. um, maybe if, if Microsoft adopts some of this and, and puts it out in their Surface line, then they'll start to kind of bake it into some of, of the applications So uh, or and, and Windows itself, so you can draw, pull up the charms bar or things like that but um, I wanted to show another one here that's not actually not the only thing that Asus unveiled um, yeah, this one is crazy. kind of shown as a uh, a concept, like a concept car, you would see at an auto mm-hmm. show, but something they say they actually will build. Um, it's Project Precog, which uh, I think is a, a reference to Minority Report. Um, it's a it dual screen is. laptop with built in AI. So, uh, I mean, just visually, this thing is is pretty neat. You you instead of having a uh, traditional keyboard, you have a second screen essentially here. Um, bring that up that uh, that. It's a touch screen, so it has uh, has those keys, and then you've got other things you can bring down um, onto that uh, that side. And they even show uh, up here in this video. You can see where they've taken it and turned it on its side, and you actually have then a uh, a landscape mode uh, monitor essentially uh, that you're that you're able to to take advantage of. So pretty cool when you when you think about. I mean, we we've talked about this kind of thing before, where we're, we're saying why didn't the uh, the touch bar and the Mac, wasn't that just a whole iPad pro sure. um, that you're, because it's the same uh, backend and, and uh, hardware running it. So why aren't you just able to do that? I'm interested to see how easy it is to actually type on something like this without that tactile, you know, feeling the keys and, and uh, you know, can you can you do it without looking the whole time and hunting and pecking?
1: Yeah, that's the the adaptive part. You know, you can see in that uh, that presentation at the back, they talk about adaptive input, right? That's based all on that AI that we talk about, the big buzzword now, artificial intelligence, machine learning, things like cognitive services and stuff. Uh, and it's supposed to the moment you hover your hands over it. It knows that they're there, and it shows you that soft keyboard, right? The digital keyboard there, and uh, that we see at the top of the screen. So it, it's supposed to recognize that your hands are there, and the virtual keyboard should appear the moment you kind of hover your screen, your fingers over the screen that you intend to type on. So.
0: And what's funny is in that photo too, you've actually got the little line under F and J, which are the the bumps you have on a physical keyboard that uh that lets you know where to rest your hand, but they they went ahead and still put those in visually, so uh, well, I guess uh, that's good. Huh? <laughs> I don't know sure how, they, how you feel yeah. that
1: maybe there's a little like uh, vibration or yeah. something I don't know <laughs> well,
0: uh, Don had mentioned before a a patent he was familiar with uh for a, a type of glass that can actually do something where it it uh, it puts off a feeling basically of a of a texture, so interesting. Um, so
1: you make it feel like it's a tactile board, yeah, and, and it's cool if,
0: if that comes around that that'll be pretty exciting. Um, To see, but but this is a a cool machine that uh, um, yeah they they say you can put it up in in tent mode and you can play Battleship with the person next to you. So
1: oh perfect man, I needed a good uh, twelve (laughs) hundred or twenty two hundred dollar way to play Battleship. Yeah yeah, the old way just wasn't doing it for (laughs) me.
0: Uh, but very cool, and, and uh, uh, this
1: is really cool. Though I jo- joking aside, I- I'd like to see this uh, come to market and see what you know. Because portability, ease of use, if they can if they can combine those two things, I mean, that's that's the mobile market for you. Yeah, you could have some fun with a device
0: like sure. that. Uh, another another announcement here on Tom's Tom's Hardware, uh, ARM's Cortex A76 could be the first true challenger to x86 chips on laptops. So. Wes, you know, I know uh, very little about chips, uh, and, and you're the chip guy here, so w- what are we talking about? What's, what's an A76?
1: All right. Well, uh, the, the Cortex, a, 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 any ARM-based processor, you know, we're talking about the advanced risk machines, advanced uh, risk computing, the reduced instruction set computing, essentially what that long, drawn-out acronym means. Simplify it, all right? Uh, you get your CPU performance. You get low power Consumption, so Mm -hmm. which means extended battery life, uh, low thermal, uh, you know, uh, heat, right? Lower heat and stuff. But in the past, ARM has always been, hey, that's what we're going to put in our phones right our snapdragons right that we're going to put in our phones um the a processors i think they were called a cortex processors for the ipads as well but they've never really been up to the standards of a traditional x86 type uh, uh processor whether it be a 32-bit or a 64-bit those processors always seemed, when it come to raw power uh to outperform uh well this one they're bragging. They said that this CPU is getting a 20%, uh, 20% performance gain every year without compromising the battery life. And that's opposite of what's happening with our normal CPUs. Yeah, they're getting more and more powerful. Uh, but as they get more and more powerful, they always they also get more and more power hungry. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, imagine having a laptop that had a processor in it that you could get the power of anything you would see in your desktops, but you get a 20 hour battery life. We don't really see that outside of things like Apple. Apple's very strict. They're very good uh, in their MacBooks and stuff of getting long power life. Uh, your gaming your gaming rigs like up against uh, Republica uh, Republic gamer type laptops where they're really powerful, you'd be lucky to get six hours. Mm-hmm. Fully charged, you know, so this thing, uh, again, does have the potential uh, to really challenge uh, uh, Intel and AMD, right? And and you're Um, saying
0: I could put this on my lap without third-degree
1: burns? You could. You could. You wouldn't have to worry about cooking the eggs anymore. You'd have to find (laughs) another way to cook eggs in the morning. But, uh, yeah, so basically... machine modeling uh, you know these models are going to run four times faster than on the previous the previous arm uh, computers so uh, and you you take all of those things again with the uh, better power or thermal management better heat uh, management if you will and uh, longer battery life uh, if it truly is if it truly is what they say it is it could be something that we see that's more revolutionary you know the 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 power of your normal desktop or laptop type CPUs, basically in a chip that's been traditionally powering cell phones, it, smartphones.
0: Now, is this just a concept at this point, or is this something that's released and uh, um, you know, you know, honestly, it. It? yeah,
1: yeah, honestly, I'm not sure if it's still in. Um, no, it's its, sec- it's its second generation, yeah. So it's announced the second generation Cortex-A76. Uh, and they've yeah. also got some GPUs that they're talking about uh, out there, uh, graphics processing units, if you will. Uh, and, and the other thing, too, is as we get into, and I know you, de- again, de- um, kind of piggybacking off of your media uh, background, you know what the processing power is, just generically uh, what it takes for 4,000 uh, not 4,000, 4K. Oh, got to make mm-hmm. sure 4,000K, that's something new, right? Uh, 4K resolution and even 8K resolution. Yeah. Um, and these ARM processors potentially have the benefit that they can take advantage of that and it, you don't have to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars on... Well, l- l- we talked about the i9 processor, right, yeah. that AT- uh, that Intel came out uh, with in one of the podcasts, which really didn't it, didn't... it was really lackluster. There wasn't really much to it. Uh, but that's a... Two thousand dollar processor. Wow, very expensive. Can you imagine being able to get something that is? I don't know. Theoretically, maybe I don't know what the price points are on these, but half the price and get all the power and the power, uh, less power consumption. Yeah.
0: Well, that, that'll be definitely something cool to watch and see um, when we start seeing this in more and more devices, and uh, and we'll see if that actually lives up to all the hype. Uh, we have one other chip uh, announcement we we wanted to get to. Uh, and our last in a series of four articles from Tom's Hardware in a row. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. Uh, Yeah, brought to you by Tom's Hardware. That's right. Thanks, Tom. Tom will uh, will talk to us after the show. Yeah, they've always got good stuff. But uh, (laughs) Intel announces a 5 gigahertz Core uh, i7-8086K, and they're giving away 8,086 processors uh, as part of that announcement. So, yeah, we talked about an i9 chip,
1: so this is an i7. It's an i7, yep. Not Uh, not as good? Well, I think this is all about nostalgia. I really do. And in fact, if you look in the middle there, you're going to see a couple of the i7 processors and when they were released. Um, and there really isn't too much difference between the i7, uh, 87, and the 8700K, uh, and the 86, uh, 8086. So I think this is really more about nostalgia. This is for the person that wants to, you know, play world or Warcraft or crisis on the highest uh, you know graphics settings but it looks like it's coming out of a TS80 or a Commodore 64 right um, so that that's really um, I I really think that that's what this is about this is more about nostalgia than anything because they already got existing chips that you can see in that list that were released in October of uh, uh, 2017, 2017 yeah uh, that are performing the same way and in fact almost all of the specs uh, uh, with the exception of a little bit higher of a turbo boost frequency uh, are just about the same you know the base clock frequency base is just a little bit higher uh, 4.0 versus 3.7 so you're seeing some, some marginal gains but if you go down the list after that pretty much uh, everythings Stays, I want to say everything stays the same. Yeah. Uh, die size is the same, still 64 bit. Manu- uh, manufacturing process is 14 nanometers. Uh, again, 14 NM there. And so everything really looks like the same. Uh, I really think that what this is going to be is just going to be uh, more uh, more nostalgia. Because you'll, you'll see they even mark it up as uh, having a lot of the features of uh, the CPUs that are already on the market right now. And it's cool. It's, it's 40 years to the day
0: that's right uh from the original intel 8086 chip and when you see some of those uh those jumps that they've made going from twenty thousand transistors to about three billion uh
1: <laughs> yeah uh, okay so can the can the hardware geek come out at me because yeah. I, I say i say nostalgia like it's a bad thing i was looking at those specs too and you look at the you look at the frequency base uh look five at the to five 10 to ten m- megahertz yeah. right <laughs> And now we're at gigahertz, right? That's amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's absolutely insane. Sixteen bit. Yeah. Sixteen, 16 bit computing. Sixty-four gigs memory support compared to one megabit. At one right. megabit, yeah. yeah. So MB versus GB, right? Yeah. So so yeah, I, I was looking at these the the memory bus speed, four point seven megahertz. Uh, versus gig, uh, well, we're in 2.9 gigahertz today. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, hopefully the
0: one thing that will match uh, the original 1978 specs there is the price. Uh, yes, yeah, so so that's uh, got the question mark. So, 86 bucks. Yeah. That'd be that'd be nice uh, as opposed to you see the 359 for the uh, more recent i7 8700k. So, uh, yeah, that'll be yeah a
1: thousand times faster than the original 8086. A thousand times faster. I think Moore's law had uh, something on that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's pretty cool. Um, well, not to be
0: outdone this week, Microsoft said, "Hey, I know you've got WWDC going on Apple, but uh, we've got some news of our own, and, and this is a this is a pretty big story. Uh, Microsoft is buying GitHub and." Uh, I was reading an article today that was kind of getting into some of the numbers. Uh, I think it was the seven billion dollars. Seven point 5, five billion. And they said it's like thirty times uh, GitHub revenue. So it's certainly um, not a, a purely financial decision in the sense of we're going to make all this profit by getting GitHub. But uh, basically, it's a play to go
1: after the developers. Yeah, I was going to say Chris Wenskeff yeah. is probably sleeping easy tonight, knowing <laughs> that he's a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
0: so they'll, they'll have all these uh, access to all these developers. Um, that they'll be able to, um, you know, to try to move to Visual Studio and and all the other tools that that Microsoft has to offer to these developers. But um, this is the the official post from the Microsoft blog: uh, Microsoft plus GitHub equals empowering developers. And you see, um, you know, the the founders of or not the founders, but the CEOs of each uh, there. And so um, yeah, this uh, this is bringing a lot, What what is it, 28 million developers already using GitHub? Yep. Um, so, uh, like I said, access to a lot of new developers from Microsoft.
1: Yeah, I even asked uh, our in-house dev guy here, Justin, you've probably seen him before. Uh, if not, you you definitely will uh, if you take a look at DevPro. Because um, my first thought was, uh, okay, so Microsoft Historically, now not let, let's go a little bit faster uh, farther back than recent history. They've been proprietary, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there was nothing open source about Microsoft, right? Uh, however, we've seen that change, right? Especially in recent, uh, just a couple of years now, uh, three years or more. I hate putting hard dates on these, but uh, they've embraced the open source community, right? They've, yeah. We've got the Linux subsystem in Windows now, where you you're not running like the uh, uh, Win, Win. I can't remember. Anyway, some of the other buying, uh, re, you know, the, the um, uh, components that you could bring into Linux that were kind of like emulated, right? Mm-hmm. This is a true Linux subsystem. Uh, the other thing too is that, um, he was saying, he was like, well, it, it could be good, right? Because here we've got something that essentially is an open source community, right? You have m- 80 million, what did they say, 80 million uh, uh, code repositories, right? Uh, Well, they're active in that community, too. I mean, Microsoft isn't just saying, hey, we didn't participate. They've got like 2 million code repositories that they've been there as well. Uh, So my first thought was what he eventually said was, um, will it remain an open source community? Will the developers be able to do like they do now uh, and collaborate between each other? Will they be able to use the the programming languages they want? Will they be able to use it on the platforms they want? And according to Microsoft, they say Microsoft is all in on open source, according to the article. I'm quoting the article here, and it says we've been on a journey uh, with open source. and he even says I, th- I believe this is the ceo uh there for microsoft that says don't, don't look at the way back mm-hmm. just look at the recent history you know that and the actions today and our actions in the future they said the github will remain an open community again um and they can work with the systems they choose right uh, so again that's yeah i just think of linux and windows right yeah if
0: they bought this and and then they went and, and changed all the rules they would see a mass exit and it's funny
1: because you mentioned
0: justin i saw one of the first posts uh he made on facebook was um Here's some other options instead of GitHub for those yes. of you that are jumping yeah. ship. And and there will be those people that I yep. just hate. I hate Microsoft. I'm not going to work uh, uh, on something with them. But, um, you know, I think as people see, if Microsoft sticks to this and, and does actually uh, keep it all open, that – um, it, it's a good thing. And, and there's going to be more financial backing behind GitHub then and potentially more features that will come to it um, as a result. So, uh, you know, it could tef- definitely turn into a great thing for developers.
1: Definitely. And, you know, one of the things he mentioned, too, and I wouldn't even have thought about this, is, you know, um, the current CEO in the current era of Microsoft is definitely way, way different than the Bomber years, mm-hmm. which was even different than the Gates years and stuff. Yeah. So uh, he, the reason I said he's got mixed emotions about it, he said, hey, most of the stuff I'm going to be doing today i'm pulling down from github as we speak uh he said but you got to worry about management changes the vision is clear and the vision of the future is defined now under the current administration at microsoft and ceo of microsoft but what happens when another ceo i mean we can all say what ifs but you know so just basically keep your ear to the ground keep your eyes open and see we'll see what happens
0: yeah well like you said um you know it says in the article that uh, microsoft is the most active organization on github with more than 2,000 commits um to uh, to the 85 million code repositories, so definitely um, it, it's they're practicing what they preach. They're not, most they're not getting definitely. something just to uh, to put another uh, jewel in the crown. There, it's uh, it's definitely something that that they're behind. Sure. Uh, another cool Microsoft story this week, and this this one is just really neat. Uh, Microsoft sinks a data center off the Scottish coast, and so they basically made a completely self sustaining data center with uh throw it in the ocean and and put it in a container and putting it on the bottom of the the sea floor there that's and, the github and servers that's <laughs> nice. so we yeah. buy it we and throw we it in the, in the ocean yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah this is really it. cool yeah. yeah
1: exactly this is really this is really cool yeah. so what's the benefit rack. of this i have no clue honestly i have looked at this um well, the and one thing i saw was temperature that that yeah, it, it can regulate temperature if you think about better. it you pretty got a pretty good water cooling system yeah especially, especially <laughs> you know? on the coast of Scotland <laughs> exactly exactly so I, I think really that that is it and they just they want to see what the system's do under under uh, pressure you know pressurized systems uh, mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure but I, I bet you that is definitely one of the big things you know i mean uh, cooling has got to be something but we'll see a uh, 12 racks uh, what is it uh, 80 uh, 864 servers 26 uh, 27.6 petabytes of storage Five million movies, right? There you could put five <laughs> million go. movies. So essentially we could put uh, Peter's uh, Plex server on yeah, there, no, no, right? No, we no, might actually... Uh, most of it, yeah. <laughs> that's do. right. Uh, and the data center, too, the, the, the combined power of the data center. Again, remember that this is a research project, and it's dubbed NETIC. Uh, I don't know if that's Nitic Mass, uh, but again, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, um, and they said it could be... Uh, uh,
0: Or they've been experimenting with this for about five years. And previously, they sunk a data center off the Californian coast for five months back in 2015. But so we'll see if this one, you know, is something they're going to keep under longer uh, or when they bring it back up. But I just feel bad for, uh, you know, for the, the tech that had to go down there.
1: I'd learn um, to scuba dive. I'd do it. it.
0: I, well, I assume they, they locked someone in there with it and, and dumped it. It doesn't. It doesn't say. Well, but.
1: I don't want to go that far now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you are right. I, I really think that one of the main reasons, and it even says it here, is uh, you know, the the energy saving because mm-hmm. of what you mentioned, the cooling. Because, uh, you know, in big data centers, uh, if you if you, I've never actually sat in a huge data center, seen plenty of videos on them and stuff. But if you look at the what it takes to power these data centers oh, and then gosh, likewise, yeah. what it would take to cool these centers, they have entire climate control systems. Um, I know the Facebook data center that they did a few years back out in uh, um, Utah there, they were receiving a thousand servers every single day. They had 13 generators, backup generators on them, and each one could power a, a, a 700 homes for a month, one generator. So you can imagine that that kind of power um, gives off heat. I mean, sh- that, that's just what it comes down to. There's going to be, you know, thermal management that it's, uh, absolutely costs just as much, I'm sure, to power them as it does to cool them. Sure.
0: And, and uh, you know, maybe we'll get to a point where they can harness that heat and, and turn it back into sure. uh, energy somehow or, you know, even use uh, hydropower or, you know, I've seen the things. I can't remember what the term is, but when they use the, the, the ocean waves um, sure. uh, to, to generate power. But, I mean, basically, you're taking uh, you're taking a data center and you're isolating it. It from mm-hmm. uh, from natural disasters, in a lot of cases, I mean, I'm, yep. obviously there are things that can still happen on the on the floor of the ocean, uh, you know, volcanoes yeah. and things like that. I've seen the abyss. Yeah, I've seen abyss. It, it's rough. right. It's right down there. <laughs> but uh, you know, if a hurricane goes by overhead, mm-hmm. uh, you're really not going to be phased at the at the bottom of the ocean. There. Sure. So uh, that's a pretty cool feature.
1: And you mentioned geography too, just you know where it's located, right? Why should I, if we are in a cooler climate? If we're in a, a frigid climate at that, why should we be uh, spending all that extra money on cooling something when we can just be using what's already available to us and we can reduce and save some money? Yeah, they're
0: still going to have that, that one uh, you know hardwire connection, though. It, it's going to be maybe your, your point of failure, so that'll be interesting because I know, I mean, I can't get uh, direct tv service when when uh, there's a cloud in the sky <laughs> that's right that's right right now so i don't i don't think this is going to be connected by satellite
1: i'm sure they're connected to uh some of the transatlantic cable oh that's true uh, yeah because yeah, we got the transatlantic cabling basically like here in florida that comes out of miami and goes spreads over across the pond over to the uk and down into uh africa and stuff like that so i'm pretty sure they're probably if not on one close to some kind of transatlantic cabling yeah.
0: Definitely. Well, our last story of the day that we wanted to get to here in the Tech NATO. It's one of those feel-good stories. Um, you know, that really makes you uh, comfortable with uh, with travel and, and things uh, going on in the world right now. This one on Newsweek. Um, in flight airplanes can now be hacked from the ground, cyber oh, fun. expert warns. So fun. uh so that's really exciting. And uh, and this is actually something that uh, Ruben Santa Marta, Santa Marta, yep, uh, is going to be talking about in detail at 2018 Black Hat, uh, which is coming up in August in in Las Vegas. Uh, so, uh, kind of teasing right now that he has found a way uh, to to access these systems through what is it,
1: satcom? It's satcom, and he does it from the ground. He uh, <laughs> does it from a ground base station, and can. Um, can manipulate and cause issues, uh, or hack into the communication devices uh, in flight on in flight. Yeah, because
0: you know all these planes um, flying above us mm-hmm. right now are, are mostly in, in autopilot modes, and That's so right. um, they are using satellite GPS and, and things like that to uh, to navigate. And if you're able to. And kind of tap into that system you're able to uh change course <laughs> for all these aircraft and 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 that could def- definitely be something scary and yeah as we flip over to um the research you first published here in 2014
1: yeah this um, is a great article and it shows you that it's not just limited to the uh in flight uh or planes if you will you can actually see there's a pretty big list you know and it's like you said satcom many moving parts to that yeah
0: so you can definitely uh you know check out this article in the, in the technical white paper and get some more information or um you know Head out to to Black Hat there and uh, and learn a little bit more about it. But uh, I would say get any uh, air travel in uh, before August. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right.
1: He'll- uh, tell a, a group of of hackers. Yeah, that's uh, right, and they're going to. Oh, really? <laughs> we can do that. And uh, you talk about some of the things you know when you say, Oh, well, what can they do?" Right? Uh, if you look at uh, just even the executive summary of uh, the document that Peter threw up there, uh, backdoor hard coded credentials, backdoor uh, backdoors basically, you know, administrative uh, entry points into the systems. Right, hard coded credentials, undocumented or insecure protocols. Now. Let's be fair to SATCOM. That isn't something that you just have to worry about on SATCOM. That's mm-hmm. part of any organization that's using some kind of communication protocol over the Internet. It's up to you to do your due diligence and due care to make sure that the protocols that you use are going to secure your information. So that's not anything that's specific to SATCOM uh, by anything. But weak encryption algorithms, that's another one. Again, that happens. That can happen in any system. Uh, but, you, you know, some of the other things that are just not um, – it basically allows you to remotely take control of these devices, and there's quite a few vendors out there, um, but they're aerospace, maritime, military governments, emergency services, industrial, like oil rigs, gas and electricity, and media. So it it's kind of scary that, that it's not just in yeah, Those are, those are all the big the big things. The big things that we need <laughs> to make the world go round or someone, go around the world, whichever way you look yeah, at exactly. it. exactly. <laughs>
0: Hopefully someone from the FAA will be at this talk and uh, taking good notes. That's and, right. Uh, That's and, right. Closing and locking up all those back doors. Yeah, and then hiring Reuben at the end and <laughs> yeah. saying, "We need your help." <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I'm sure uh, yeah, you know that he has gone through the channels to to let the right people know these yeah. things. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, and that's what the you know the the hacker conferences you know they're really about. You know, they there's reason they have bug bounties. Mm-hmm. You know, we could pay you to find it for us. We'll give you the money before somebody else does it, and it causes us to lose millions of dollars or 200 people flying over the ocean. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a happy note. I hope Don's enjoying his trip. No, yeah, that's right. Uh, well, that's or, right. We, we
0: you could drive down too. He, to yeah, me, he, he's so, in Florida, so he, he's but okay. If not, we know we know Wes is here, so, that's right. so we're in good hands <laughs> uh, for sure. But actually, Don's going to be out next week too. Uh, uh, he and a few others here at IT Pro TV are heading over to uh, our London office, and that's so be they'll right. be uh, doing a meetup and and some meetings over there. So uh, so that'll be pretty exciting. But uh, we'll have another guest uh, this week. Will it be Wes? Will it be someone else? We'll we'll have to wait well, i'm always
1: available this is fun i love joining in uh you know coming here and talking about the stuff hopefully i can give you the right answers for sure yeah, well <laughs> i came into the
0: office and you were already here so we just said we'll run with hey it. well you know but what? uh for those of you that did enjoy uh the tech Native today you probably would enjoy it pros content as well um we've got hosts like wes and, and don that are uh sharing all kinds of great information uh, if you want to check it out uh, head over to itpro.tv you can use the promo code podcast 30 and get 30 percent off your subscription for the life of your subscription if you like the podcast, then you'll want to go ahead and subscribe, share it with your friends. For Wes, I've been Peter, and we will
1: see you guys next week.